Welcome to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. I am Tim Grady. I'm here with my co-host, Lou Weiss, who is also the president of All Metals and Forge Group that sponsors Manufacturing Talk Radio. They are a manufacturer of open die forgings and seamless roll rings for industrial manufacturing use. Fascinating to see some of the things that they produce, rings that are, you know, they wouldn't fit in the first floor and a half of your house. Big, heavy stuff. So check them out at steelforge.com. Joining us today is Anthony Nieves. He is the committee chair of the services report on business. And these reports of late have been very good as we go through this economic recovery. Anthony, thank you for joining us. We're, we're very interested in the numbers behind the number. Well, thank you for having me on the show again. Oh, always. So where are we today? The number's great, but give us the background behind it. Well, we had an all-time high in May, and for the month of uh, July, we've also reached another all-time high. So that record didn't last very long. So we <laughs> went up to uh, 64.1. Uh, the prior high uh, back in May was 64, and this is for the composite index. Now, we know this was all associated uh, to the pent up demand that we had from the closures with the pandemic. So we're looking at this growth that we've had uh, over the past you know, 120 some odd months prior to that pullback we had in the midst of the pandemic. And now we're back on track with this strong growth. And um, I can say that the pent up demand, yes, it's been there, but this is just uh, really good. What we're seeing as far as business activity and all the levels across of various industries in spite of some of the constraints that are in place. We know we have capacity constraint. We know we have logistical challenges, right? We have rail service being slow. Overland trucking has been an ongoing problem with both available equipment, vehicles, and drivers. Material shortages. We have inflation creeping in. Yet in spite of all these impediments, all these obstacles, we're still seeing this extraordinary rate of growth in the uh, services sector. Maybe we ought to make this an Olympic event. <laughs> <laughs> so what are the, some of the, you know, when we talk with Tim Fiore, he talks about the inputs and the outputs. Can you also kind of break down your report in the same fashion, Anthony, what's currently driving the number up and you know, give us some background there. Well, I can say that we know that business activity, we look at month over month, it's gone up 6.6 .6 percentage points, right? So that's driving uh, what we're seeing in the composite index, as well as the employment index also popping up from contraction. Now, when you talk about inputs and output and all that other stuff, and it correlates as well on the services side, even though it's less uh, production of tangible goods. It's more movement of tangible goods and services that are performed. Yet upstream in the supply chain is that manufacturing sector, which provides various goods that we are utilizing in the services side. And what we're seeing, as I mentioned, uh, touched on with the material shortages, the supply and demand issues that we have, the capacity constraints now, I'd like to use lumber as, a, as an example. We know that there's been a shortage of lumber. It's affected the construction uh, industry, which resides in the services sector. 
what people don't realize that there's various things that are impacting what's happening in, with lumber. One is most of it's coming from Canada. They have had human resources issues just like we have had human resources issues. So therefore they can't process at the mill. Then you throw in something like um, the uh, tariff, which also causes the price to go up, right? So we have all these things in the midst of what's going on in this recovery. We have the material shortages, we have the labor resource issue, then you have pricing in there. You know, the Federal Reserve had said that this looks to be transitory as it relates to inflation, right? Well, I can tell you these the prices where they are now, they're not going away anytime soon. It's driven no, by, yeah. you know, we have, uh, look at vehicles, right? The cost of vehicles. People are able to get a higher than residual value on their trade-ins now because there's a shortage of vehicles. Challenges with semiconductors and chips, chips that go into the vehicles. Uh, it's just production has been down all across the board for not only the manufacturing side, but on services as well. So with the supply not up to par, the demand increasing, all based on what we've had pent up, money available as well from you know stimulus and everything else that's been injected into the economy. We have this vortex right now and it's causing you know a litany of challenges. Could you imagine where the economy would be without some of the constraints that are in place? I did notice in, in your report about prices that it jumped to 82.5. Uh, that's quite a number. Well, if you look back on pricing, the highest pricing uh, index we had was 83.5 back in September of 2005. The, the prior second highest was in the month of May when we hit 80.6. Now that's been replaced by the 82.3, which is now the second highest reading since September of 2005. Now, granted, we've had fuel prices come down a little bit recently, but we anticipate those going back up again. So, and, and when I say came down a little bit, it's still a lot higher than where it was. I know that for me, when I go to the gas pump out here, I'm paying in excess of 30% more than I was, say, a year ago for fuel. The, uh, <laughs> at your pay rate, that shouldn't be a problem. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but a couple of other things that picking up from the report, uh, uh, you know, the uh, the new order uh, count. I'm sorry, the uh, the uh, backlog number also at 63.5, uh, which is a little bit down from uh, uh, last month, but uh, it, uh, it it shows that uh, it's not collapsing. Well it's still a strong rate of growth for backlog, sure. you know, at that uh, 63.5. And see how interrelated most of these indexes, all of these indexes are interrelated, but specifically the direct correlation between backlog, the slowing of delivery, deliveries, the contraction on inventories. This is all related to capacity issues. We have that capacity constraint and it's contributing to uh, and then you throw in some of the logistical challenges we have, container shortages, port congestion, uh, slowing of deliveries. We have some quotes in here from our respondents talking about how the cycle time has been pushed out anywhere from you know, two weeks to a month on certain commodities uh, and trying to get uh, to obtain them, source them. Anthony, 
Attention. Anthony, what are the top three at the moment services sectors that are creating this boom? Well, you know, fortunately, we are seeing that we have almost every industry um, is reflecting growth. We had 17 industries reflecting growth. There was one industry that had that was unchanged. But when you look at an order, you have arts, entertainment, and recreation, wholesale trade, and accommodation and food services are the top three. Now, interesting, arts, entertainment, and recreation, that's most recently reopened compared to some of the other industries, right? That's Think of in terms of amusement parks and movie theaters and things like that, because we had that all streaming online. There was no uh, going out to the movie theater or, you know, uh, you didn't have any of the big amusement parks opening up. And now they're doing that and they're trying to control it with distancing and whatnot. But so they went from zero to being open. So that's where you're seeing that growth come out of there. Um, you know, the largest contributor to GDP in the services sector is the real estate uh, rental and leasing. Yet real estate has had a, a challenge as far as inventory, right? So there has been home sales. Think about this, you know, we've always had new home starts and whatnot. That's not, that's kind of tapered down a bit. And part of that has to do with the uh, uh, slowing in the construction trade. And I don't mean as far as activity level, but the ability to produce, right? So they've had a little slowing there. And so now we're seeing resale as being a big component on home sales versus new home starts. And then couple that with the fact that the inventory is down. What you're seeing that's coming to market is certain in real estate is that people are selling their homes, taking the equity out, downsizing maybe <laughs> apartments or condominiums. But again, there's not a lot of inventory out there. So home prices are even selling above list right now similar to what we're seeing in the vehicles uh, industry, the automotive industry. You know, you were talking about the entertainment restaurant services area. Uh, <clears throat> and yeah, everything seems to be opening up, sort of, being that they, the new variant is uh, beginning to really take hold and uh, COVID cases are significantly on the rise. I don't know if, you're, uh, if you saw that the mayor of New York City, de Blasio, Governor, uh, Mayor de Blasio, has instituted a mandate uh, that to go into restaurants, gyms, movies, and things of that nature, you must show your CDC sh uh, card showing that you were vaccinated. That could have a positive effect on COVID, but it's going to have a negative effect on uh, revenue in the, particularly the restaurant business. Interesting though, I think that, uh, and let's use New York and LA as, as a good benchmark, right? And I, and I had read that same thing uh, in the last few days about the uh, vaccination cards being required. Right. LA County, outside of say, initially with the COVID uh, with San Francisco was another hotbed, but LA County has been more stringent, strict about guidelines than say neighboring Ventura County or Orange County, right? So yet restaurants are still open. The restaurant lounges, bars within those establishments are still open. The mass policy has been uh, increased as far as, or, or broadened as far as people having to have masks in public places and indoors. Yet once people are in these establishments, they're taking them off. 
the question that I pose, and I think this is a, maybe a rhetorical question, is that I don't think right now there's the political stomach to pull back and do a wide mandate of closure again. I think that especially in the state, not to get into the whole political talk show episode that we tend to lean towards every once in a while, but the governor out here is under, uh, you know, recall. So he definitely doesn't want to be shutting down the economy in the midst of that. So well, I think, I, I think, think death rate is, is a concern. I think that well, death rate area is a big concern. Yeah. Right? It's going to be a big concern with hospitals are being uh, overflowed again, particularly uh, in, uh, in Florida, for example. Um, and that's uh, it, it's a very serious problem, and they may have to rethink about a some sort of consolidation consolidation again. Because winter's okay. coming. It's never been consolidated in the past. If you think about it, it's been state by state, right? right. Florida and Texas have remained wide open from day one, pretty much. And right. yes, they have those rates going up. Uh, you know, not to get into the medical aspect of it, the Delta variant, they say, is five times more contagious than the Alpha, right? Yet, right. if you're vaccinated, the effects on you is not as near as great as it was with the Alpha, right? The other thing is, though, the people that are unvaccinated are more at risk. So I know there's a big push to get people vaccinated. There's still folks out there that are anti-vaxxers, that there's nothing you're ever going to do to change their mind. Um, you know, I'm not here to debate that, but I do think that right now it's a wait and see approach on how the Delta variant will affect business. I think right now, as we see in the numbers and what's transpired, even in where I'm at in Los Angeles, it has not slowed business down at all. And this variant has been around for, you know, just about a month now. Anthony, I'm curious, within the real estate sector, there are individuals and companies that rent houses, apartments, condos, etc. that if I'm reading the facts right, haven't been paid rent something approaching 18 months. They're and it have just a, got extended. <laughs> at some point that has to have a net negative effect on the services sector. When and when do those chickens come home to roost? Great question, Tim. You know, the CDC just extended the moratorium another 60 days, I think, right? Just in the last day or so. So to your point, I think that some of the big conglomerates, you know, as some private equity groups that went out and invested in real estate, buying homes and renting them out, leasing them out, where it really impacts uh, the, the people is those landlords that have invested their life savings into their real estate portfolio, and they haven't been getting paid. There is federal assistance available, some yes. rent relief. So that's been available to them. I don't know who, and I couldn't tell you the numbers of who's taken advantage of it, but it is a challenge. It is, you know, it's, you're, you're taking, you're, you're, you know, you're taking from one pocket and putting it in another pocket and, you know, somebody's going to have to pay the uh, pay at the end of the day. Well, it's the taxpayers because in this new infrastructure bill, is a provision that the government will pay the landlords the monies that they need to maintain uh, their properties and so on. So 
whenever they all get around to coming home from vacationing, which is a great time to vacation, uh, if they, the Congress ever gets to that point that they'll come home and vote on this thing, uh, money will flow. Yeah, they'll vote on printing more money, right? It'll yeah, never exactly. be paid. It'll never be paid off. No, no, it will never be paid off. They'll just raise the debt ceiling and operate like most of America with uh, too much credit card debt. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, you'll simply manage it in the retail sector, Anthony. I know there was a huge shift during COVID for purchasing goods and having them delivered to your home rather than going out to the store. Is the retail sector still you know, pretty strong, pretty healthy because they simply adapted to the new way of moving product from shelf to consumer? Well, they, they were hurt and it depends upon you know, which uh, business and what type of business because retail is so broad as far as uh, the different products and services that are provided. And certain high contact, high touch retail businesses were impacted. Um, as far as the tangible goods and buying consumer goods, a lot of that shifted to, uh, you know, without giving endorsements to some of the big online distributors out there, but they had a windfall and others suffered. So it's just been, uh, even though the activity's up, you have to look at the fatality of some of those businesses that were lost during this period of time that won't come back. The big challenge in retail, as well as in accommodation and food services and across most of the industry in the services sector right now is the availability of workers. I was at a coffee shop, which I won't endorse as well with a, with a free advertisement, but they had a sign on their door. We will stop service at three o'clock today uh, and every day thereafter because we don't have people to staff the later shifts. And restaurants, you're seeing that as the activity has come back strong. They can't hire service personnel fast enough. You're seeing managers doing line worker tasks and there are even a shortage of managers. I think once the stimulus money dries up a bit and people have no funds left, it's going to drive people back into certain industries, but the ones that are most impacted right now are the lower level service industries. What I don't, under what I don't understand is where did all the busboys go? Where did all the waiters and waitresses go? 85,000 restaurants have gone out of business. Where did they all go? Are they all collecting unemployment? Are they, you know, getting that extra 300 bucks a week, which is going away momentarily? Time will tell soon enough. I think that's yeah. over in September. And when it's over, yeah, it's a when it's over, of, it's over. Yeah, it's over, it's over, and and people are going to have to get back to work in order to survive. And I think that right now there's so many choices available as far as job opportunities that they're shirking those lower uh, service type positions and going on into other things. Yes. I know there's been many that have had career shifts. Yes, I've heard that. Yeah, no doubt there's career shifts. And as I have heard from restaurateurs, and I'm sure, Anthony, you've talked to a number of them, they can't get people to come back to work. I just talked to a young lady at our church who just took a waitress job. She gets paid $2.85 an hour plus tips. Or 
she could get the $300 check from the government and either do something else or do nothing else. I'm sure that that has badly adversely impacted a lot of retail and restaurateurs. Absolutely. You know, Leave it to our back. government. Yeah, throw in the, the gray market variable, right? There's many people that are operating businesses under the radar, right? That we don't even see. And they're creating a revenue stream and it's, you know, below below the radar again. It's not like they have it listed on the books and they're, who knows if they're paying taxes or not. I don't want to speculate on that, but they're not showing up as being employed, but then they're creating revenue for themselves in addition to uh, having some stimulus money available. Well, it could be an interesting fall, Anthony, because a couple of things could be happening. The subsidization for the subsidizing of rents uh, could go away. So that now you have to pay your rent again. The stimulus checks could go away. So now you've got to get a job. Um, the inflation could take hold from uh, past sins and future bills that are being passed a trillion here and three trillion there, uh, we could have an interesting backlash in Q4. Do you see it the same way? Well, I think that the current situation that we're in is going to uh, be ongoing throughout the year. So to your point, I think that, um, you know, we'll still see this growth that we're having here in this sector but some of those other things that you're talking about will have to come to a head uh, certainly uh, sooner rather than later. And whether or not it occurs in the last quarter of this year or carries over into 2022, again, that remains to be seen. We don't exactly have that crystal ball just yet, but I think that, uh, you know, right now the big thing is, and the positive thing in all of this is that the economy is on the right track and it's going strong. And I think that having a good economy will help us to deal with some of these other issues versus if we were still in a down economy and had those same challenges ahead of us, it'd be very difficult to have to deal with both at the same time. Not to be negative, <laughs> but now I understand that there are a total of five variants of COVID. You got the uh, Delta, but there's also two other ones that have shown their ugly head and there's a third one that's in Europe which hasn't made it here yet. So this is a, a ongoing, could be an ongoing uh, health issue globally. And then everything that we're talking about is just not gonna make any difference. Well, you know, it's kind of where, yes, and we had that second variant that came out of uh, Texas from originating in Peru. And the fortunate thing is right now with both variants, it seems to be um, less of an impact on those that are vaccinated. They're avoiding hospitalization. They're not having the severe illness as if you had the alpha variant with no vaccination. Right. So, um, and they're talking about boosters and pills and all kinds of stuff that will help combat some of this and help boost the immunization even further. So, you know, we'll have to see. I think that the, the one thing that my takeaway is on this is that you talked about hospitalization. Yes. Uh, deaths. Yes. All very much to be concerned about. 
but again, it seems to be limited to 99 percentile of those that are unvaccinated. So the more people, and I'm not trying to, you know, take a political position on vaccination here, but I, I'm looking at it more from a business perspective in the sense that what makes sense to keep everything going on the right track. It's when we, now we're seeing people wanting to get vaccinated that were maybe lagging a bit in the past, understanding that this variant could impact them severely. So hopefully with some of these steps in place, with additional protocol, we can sidestep um, the challenges of the variant. And, and you know, only time will tell what will happen. I'd like to just make a comment to your comment about being political. And you know me, I don't like talking politics. Uh, I've never heard you ever. <laughs> the point of this whole thing is that this antivirus uh, uh, inoculation of virus, the uh, vaccination, is that it is political. It has become political. You know, I've spoken directly with people that are anti-vaxxers. And believe it or not, I've seen it on either side of the political spectrum as far as whether they're to the left or the right. Yeah. Their, their thought process, behind, because think about this, you know, not the stereotype, but traditionally minorities tend to vote more on the left. We have a high concentration in the minority population that have not been vaccinated. Right. Not saying it's on their beliefs as much as maybe it's availability or who knows, I, you know, I can't, I don't have all that information. And then there's others on the hard line, right? That are just, maybe it's political for them, but some of the comments I've heard come back have to do with more about they don't want some strange substance in their body. I mean, they, it's, it's a whole litany of issues. It's, it's not just isolated, I think, on the political spectrum. There's mumps, there's chicken pox, there's measles, there's whooping cough, there's all these injections that they've consolidated into one or two injections for kids going to school, and it works just fine. So, well, yeah, and we're going to get we're going to get there. Yeah, I think so. I think that, well, you know, how about this? You know, we all, we can, at our age, we can look at our arm and see where we had the smallpox vaccination. They don't right. even give the smallpox vaccination anymore. Right. Right. Because we all had the smallpox vaccination. It, it was eradicated. All right. We understand right. that. Just like I believe that eventually this will run its course as well. Hopefully, again, it's not prolonged and, and protracted out based on whatever reason. But it seems like we're all talking about variants. Not that I'm an anti-vaxxer, because I will say this, I've been vaccinated for a long time now. I had my second vaccination way back in, you know, right after the first quarter. I never had a flu shot. Why have I never had a flu shot? And I'm in healthcare. Why? Because over 300 strains of flu come out every year. And we don't know exactly which ones we're going to have a vaccination for. But if I was compromised physically, certain age fit into those parameters, I sure as heck would get a flu shot. So, you know, it's, it's a kind of thing where some people are making this more individual. It's, uh, again, not to take a stance on anything. We want to get this out of the way. We want to get this whole COVID behind us and whatever it takes to get there. Well, it certainly seems to not have major affected the non-services report, and everything seems to be just going great in the right direction. When you have 18 industries you're following up on and 17 move forward and one unchanged, 
Uh, you can't get any better than that. Not at all. When are we going to do our, our Sunday morning talk show, like instead of meet the press? I think we can bump them out of their time slot. How about reliable resources? I mean, I mean you're, you're reliable. I'm reliable. Tim is mostly reliable. <laughs> I'm, only kid, I'm only kidding, folks. Tim is, uh, I couldn't do this show without Tim. I, did you see the touch that Tim added today to his jacket? Look at that hanky. I love that. Wait a minute. I didn't notice that. Oh, <laughs> I noticed it right out of the gate. You're breaking protocol. Yeah, matching tie and handkerchief. And well, you know what? Either one of stepping two up things. the game. Either one of two things. Don't wear it or get me one. <laughs> right? This Ladder. way. Well, Ladder. you can't only you can't be the only debonair person out there, Lou. He had to try and step up his game. I, I and I see that. I didn't notice it. That's very <laughs> slick of you. So anyway. Good. Yeah, I have to. I'm a little shorter than you, so I'd have to really puff it up. Yeah, we have to get that little chair that pumps up. <laughs> but this bar stool doesn't go any higher. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, Anthony, we appreciate you joining us and sharing with us on the services sector. It's going to be interesting to watch as we go through the end of the year to see if inflation is going to be transitory. I don't think so. I think it's going to be a, a significant issue by the end of the year, and it'll probably clip the numbers going into 2022. But thank you for joining us, and we look forward to your report next month as we watch this sector carefully. Thank you, gentlemen. Always a pleasure to be on the show. Have a good Thanks. one. Thank you for being here. Take care. Lou, that wraps us up for this episode. We certainly appreciate you sharing from your background. Speaking of uh, upping our game, I need a new background so we can see all of the shows that are produced. And yeah, I've got some great stuff coming up. Uh, keep an eye on Manufacturing Matters, Making Waves. That's a show that looks like it's ready to pop. It's, it's done by us and the New Jersey Manufacturing Extension Program out of the National Institute of Standards and Technology. There are 52, Lou informs me, not 51 anymore, MEPs across the country. So that show is likely to uh, climb into that top bar and be more frequent than it is now. We look forward to that. And we appreciate all of you who've been listening to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Stick with us and lots of good information to come. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.